everyone. I'm Cheryl McNeil Fisher. Dr. Kathy King and I want you to know you are important to us. We are thrilled that you're here with us today for another episode of Writing Works Wonders. Welcome to Writing Works Wonders. We're so pleased you're with us for an outstanding interview with voice actor and book narrator Chris Abernathy. We will explore the nature of book narration and what's involved in this critical 21st century publication-related career. We're pleased you're with us today. We have participants in both Zoom and Clubhouse, as well as listeners on ACB Media and our podcasting listeners. Get ready for another episode full of learning, laughter, and new ideas for readers and writers. So fire up your audiobook reader and prepare for an exciting adventure with your fellow bibliophiles at Writing Works Wonders. I'm Kathy King, and I'm so pleased to introduce you to my fabulous co-host, Cheryl McNeil Fisher. Hey, Kathy. Hi, everybody. And I'm so happy to be here. And I have a fabulous co-host, too. Outstanding. We are so pleased to have Chris Abernathy here with us today. And you're going to find out Writing Works Wonders has a very special relationship to him through the publication world. But let me tell you a little bit about him. Chris Abernathy started his radio career at the age of 16 and became a program director at 21. That same year, he took over as morning radio show host, replacing a well-known local personality who joined a top competitor syndicated show, which was broadcasting on over 50 radio stations. But Chris's first radio ratings period demonstrated that his show doubled the previous ratings and the original show's ratings and outdid the other show. Can you imagine that? Stripping it out early on in his career. In 2008, Chris created a new opportunity, approaching a broadcaster with an idea for a station that was simulcasting one of the other stations. In 2015, he won the Alabama Radio Station of the Year with that station. Since 2015, Chris has been self-employed, providing various audio and video services, including voice tracking radio shows, narrating audiobooks, voiceovers for commercial campaigns, hosting television programs, and more. Chris has now relocated to the Gulf Coast area. We're so pleased to have him with us. Thank you. I am thrilled that Chris is here with us to share with you and answer your questions. I didn't realize, but when Chris first started doing the voiceover for audiobooks, I got him early (laughs) and he brings my books to life. I was saying before we even started that the first time I listened to it, wow. And then I had it on speaker listening to my book with a friend and I said, oh my gosh, can you believe I wrote that? You're so fabulous, Chris. And I am honored that you're here and thrilled that you've recorded four of my books and soon there will be five. So welcome. Thank you. I'm, I'm glad to be here, and I've enjoyed doing your books and learning a little bit about the blind community while I do it. That's one of the really the, the biggest thing that I love about narrating audiobooks is that you learn so much. And mostly I do nonfiction because that's where you really learn a lot. But even with the fiction, you can you can learn a lot. And even when you're doing kids books, you can learn a lot. That's, that's what I really love about it. Yeah. And I had you 
narrating, including in the narration, the description of the illustrations. So that was probably a little different as well. Some some authors choose to do that. Some choose to uh, to not do that. And mm-hmm. it, it just depends on on the uh, the book and the style as to whether that's going to work or not. Well, you did a great job. We know about how long you've been doing this professionally as a voice actor. What made you choose to get into this career of voiceover acting? I really wasn't expecting it to be a career. Honestly, um, I had left the radio station that was mentioned a few minutes ago where we won the Alabama Radio Station of the Year. Shortly after we won that award, I left that radio station. There were some issues with the ownership, and I decided to get out. And I'm trying to figure out, okay, what am I going to do next? And I started doing just a few different things together instead of taking another full-time job. And one of my friends suggested I should do some voice acting because he'd been doing that. So I thought, okay, well, that'd be one of my little small on the side things. And then it just kind of exploded to where now it's the vast majority of my work. Did you do any special training? We have a lot of people that are listening in that are part of Zoom, that are listening in on ACB Media and who will listen to the podcast, who are interested in this type of a career. So what kind of experience did you need or did you have education background to become a voiceover actor? Well, obviously working in radio for decades, I was very familiar with most of the equipment that you're going to use. I I know how to use a microphone and how to record and, and edit. So that was already there. There was some unlearning that I had to do because you use your voice differently in radio than you do when you're narrating a book or commercials. I had to get rid of some old bad habits that uh, that weren't necessarily bad habits, but they weren't good habits for voice acting. So I did work with a few coaches and went to some conferences and picked up information from other professionals. And then, of course, there's also the, the business side that you've got to learn because if you're working as a voice actor, odds are you are working for yourself and You've got to figure out how to get work and how to invoice people and all that kind of stuff. It's a package. You're out there marketing, getting work and growing as you're doing so. With that, I'm going to turn it over to Kathy. Hey there, Chris. Great to speak with you today. Your website is very well developed, appealing and very informative as well as accessible. We really appreciate that. And our listeners may enjoy visiting it because they can hear samples of your work. And it's very exciting to hear the type of work that you've done. Chris's website is www.abernathyvoice.com. And Abernathy is A-B-E-R-N-A-T-H-Y. And then voice, V-O-I-C-E dot com. I'm glad to know it's accessible because honestly, I'm going to confess I did not take that into account when I was creating the site, and I'm a little bit mm-hmm. ashamed of that. It's, it's not something that uh, that crossed my mind, but I'm glad that it, it is that way, and it's something I'll keep in mind more for the future. Great. We appreciate that. Pretty easy to make it accessible for the most part. Most of us have been listening to audiobooks for years through National Library Service, which is called NLS Talking Books. And many of us now also use BARD to download digital audiobooks. And we've heard other NLS narrators talk on our show about narrating for BARD. And it appears that 
when NLS produces a book, the book narrator is performing the voiceover work and the production is a separate function. So the production being audio editing and spinning it down, different things that I think I'll be able to get you to talk about in a few moments. But there seems to be much more to being an independent voiceover actor and producer. What's the difference between voiceover acting and being a producer? Many of our folks are not involved in audio production. Right. Well, ideally, there's a world of difference. If you are just a pure voice actor that is working with only professional clients, then there's not much technically that you need to be able to do. You've got to make sure that you're able to get good quality audio in there. And then even if it's a live recording session, the uh, the producer in another continent, you know, I've worked with people in Denmark and wherever, can be recording that audio in full fidelity and then they can take it and run from there and, and the actor is done. It's, it's not always that case. So like if I'm working with an independent author, oftentimes I'm going to be the producer and the uh, actor. In that case, I will be doing everything from from the time I get the script to the files being ready to upload onto the Amazon site or wherever. Or in some cases, I'll even do that uploading. But uh, if I'm working with a publisher, then generally speaking, I'm recording the files, sending them off, and somebody else is going to uh, do all the mastering and editing and proofing, and they'll probably send it back and say, here are two or three errors that you made or more if it's a longer book, then I'll have to re-record those and send those on. And then they'll, again, do all the work to uh, to put that together. If you're doing independent work, you have to do it all. But if you're working with a publisher, then generally it is just the acting and the actual recording of the files, but you don't do anything more with the files. You just record them using the punch and roll method, which is, I don't want to get technical, but it's a method that allows you to send a file that is just the audio that they need to actually work with and not all of your outtakes. Not all your errors, right? Right. <laughs> They'll find some errors in there that, that you didn't realize. It allows you to, to send what is theoretically at least an individual chapter with just the words one time, not the 20 times that it took me to say those <laughs> strange words that you wanted me to say. <laughs> And when you're doing the editing, I'll just start the process a little because this is what Cheryl and I do for the recording we do in Zoom. We edit it and turn it into a podcast. You pull that audio file into an editing program, and there's many of those to choose from. And then you start going through and you do several functions to that, right? Software is generally referred to as a DAW, D-A-W, Digital Audio Workstation. And there are some of those that, that are absolutely free. Audacity is an example of a, a free piece of software that you can use and will give you perfectly professional level quality of recording and editing, but just doesn't have all the functionality of some others. I use um, Adobe Audition. Mm-hmm. That's one that you have to subscribe to and you pay every month to have it, but it's got all the bells and whistles that you could ever hope for. And in that process, you're not only getting rid of errors in the recording as far as speech errors, but what are some of the other things that you're doing to that file? When you're sitting around talking to each other, you don't notice that uh, that your mouth is making little clicky noises and such. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when you're recording on a good quality microphone in a uh, well-treated space and um, then listening with headphones, I'm sure if you're 
I hear it all the time. Now, if I'm listening to NPR, they are the clickiest people in the world. You hear all these little mouth noises that are coming through. You want to take out all of those sounds, or at least the vast majority of them. And I'm fortunate enough to, uh, to have some software that works just magic on that. So you're going to try to take out extraneous sounds, that kind of thing. You're going to do some EQing to get the, the bass and treble and such the way that it, it should be. Uh, you're going to do some processing to even out the uh, the audio so that you don't have very quiet sections. <laughs> even, if so, even if somebody is whispering, you still want to be able to hear what they say. And you don't want the yells to burst your speakers and alert the neighbors that somebody is breaking into your house. The, the processing can bring that all into a compressed level of volume and such that, that allows everything to be heard clearly. Excellent. That's a very good overview. I appreciate that. That's very helpful. And he mentioned one term, EQing, and that's equalizing, equalization and equalizing the file. So one of the things we were wondering about, but I think you might have answered it, do you have an agent who helps identify opportunities or arrange opportunities for you? Or is that I, something that you do all yourself? I do that all myself. A lot of voice actors do have agents. It used to be very, very difficult to work in the business if you didn't have an agent. The digital world has, has changed every profession, including ours, dramatically. And now it's just so much easier for a client and an actor to connect without having to go through an agent. Agents can be great. I've never worked with one myself. Great to know. And then finally, before I hand you back over to Cheryl, across the other side of the virtual room, how would you say your career has evolved? Looking back over the years as a voice actor, radio host, merging into voice acting, audio production, how has it evolved? It's changed dramatically here in the last decade. For most of my career, I was just doing radio um, with a little bit of TV mixed in, but just as a little sideline thing. But when when I left my full-time radio job and started doing the voice acting, again, at, at the beginning, that was supposed to be just a little sideline, earn a few extra bucks on the side kind of thing. And I wasn't even thinking about audiobooks. Audiobooks had not even entered my brain space. I had never listened to one, certainly wasn't thinking about recording any. But somebody approached me on one of the uh, the platforms and asked me if I would do it because I was offering my services for other voice projects. So I agreed to do theirs and it worked out pretty well. So I started offering that as a, a regular service. And then one of my first clients that I got was a small publisher who was uh, getting some books done for a brand new author named Craig Martell. And some of you listening are going to recognize Craig's name. Um, at the time, I mean, again, this was only about seven years ago. Craig was just putting out his first work and nobody knew who he was. And I did his first audio books and the publisher ended up not completing the series, but he came to me directly and got me to complete that series. And now Craig is running a Facebook group called 20 books to 50 K that has over 50,000 members. Um, he, he puts on a, a big conference in Las Vegas every year and puts on other conferences across the, uh, the world. And he's, he's written a whole bunch of books and I've narrated a good portion of those. And through the connections that, uh, that he's made, he's had me come and speak at a couple of his conferences. And that just really got me into uh, a lot of doors. A lot of other authors 
found me because of Craig. And then I went up to New York to the associate of the Audiobook Publishers Association Conference, APAC, and met publishers there. So Craig helped me get in with a lot of independent authors. And then APAC got me in with some publishers. And between those two ramps, I went from a little sideline thing to this is what I do every day. Terrific to hear how you navigated that and how opportunities opened through the work that you were doing. And I love the description of ramps, on ramps to new opportunities and ventures. Thank you so much for sharing with us, Chris. Mm -hmm. Over to you, Cheryl. Thank you. Kathy asked you about your career evolving. You have a home studio. How has that evolved? What are do's and don'ts that, that you've learned through these years? Suggestions for someone who's just starting. I guess my first don't would be don't go out and spend thousands of dollars right off the bat. My first proper studio was built by Subway, the sandwich shops. I was recording in my bedroom using a $99 microphone at the time. And Subway was my first big commercial campaign. As soon as I booked that gig, I went ahead and ordered a really nice microphone and and set up a dedicated space so that when that actual recording session happened a few weeks later, I was ready to do it at the very best that I could do it. Like I said, I got that gig recording on a $99 microphone. And then when we decided to move down to the Gulf Coast, I uh, I bought a Whisper Room vocal booth that uh, can be taken apart and moved. You don't want to do that very often. It's not easy, but it can be done. So that allows me to to set it up wherever I go. But yeah, I would say you don't you don't spend too much immediately. One of the first investments that you should make would be with a coach, a voice acting coach. Uh, think about the if you want to do books specifically, get uh, get a coach that works with that specifically. Otherwise, just get a, a voice acting coach for commercials or whatever. Get somebody that that has worked with other professionals and is recommended by other professionals. And then that coach is going to be able to give you personalized advice on where you should invest next and and what you need to be working on. But there's a great website for anybody interested in audiobook narration, narratorsroadmap.com. Tons and tons of information there to find out about getting started in audiobook narration. That's great. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Okay, Chanel, we're going to turn it over to you now. Carol Mackey. Thank you. Hi there, Chris. Love this topic. Um, I'm an audiobook listener. Love listening to audiobooks. I'm an avid reader. Um, My question to you is, when you're going to read XYZ book, what are your segments of reading? Do you read the whole? I can't imagine sitting reading an eight or nine hour book at one time. But how do you break that up? Do you plan it ahead? Do you, what's the process? I'm always interested in how people do things. Well, certainly if it's a a fiction book, then the the first step is going to be to read the entire book. You may not be able to do that in one day, but you've got to read that book. And a lot of people would say that that's true with nonfiction as well. I think with nonfiction, you can or you can't either way. Um, You can get away with it. With a fiction book, you definitely need to know where the characters are going to be able to present those characters properly. You may get to the end of the book and find out that somebody has an Irish accent. Where I've actually had somewhere the, the author was writing a series, and they haven't finished the series when I'm already recording the first and second or third book. And then 
a character gets a trait later on in the series. I'm like, oh, well, this character is not what you uh, what you wanted it to be. I'll read through the book and I'll mark up any words or names that I need to learn the pronunciation because pronunciation is extremely important. If uh, if somebody's listening to a book about that is taking place in their hometown or a place that they know and love and, and they hear the name of the street mispronounced, it can just completely destroy the credibility of that book and, and take them out of the story and have them thinking about the uh, the technicalities and such. And it, it, you just don't ever want that to happen. And you want to figure out who the characters are and, and what uh, what traits you want to be able to convey on that character. Also, you want to mark up your script into a way that uh, that you your eye is going to be able to see what's going on as you're getting into it. Because, you know, if you've got a, a, a complex subject in, in a sentence, sometimes you have to go back and reread to really understand what the author is. Right. Even if it's well written, you may have to go back two or three times sometimes to understand what the author is actually saying. But you can't really be doing that as a narrator or unless you're going to just start and stop all the time what you want to try to avoid. Thank you. Our next person is Jane Tolino. Hello, Chris. Uh, Hi, Jane. A couple things. I am intrigued absolutely with voice acting. I really appreciate your conscientiousness, your detailed description of your commitment to how you read. The other day, I came across a description that had a glaring error you don't go to Portland, Oregon and pronounce the Willamette River, Willamette. You do mm-hmm. that and you're just dead. And you nailed it when you said you lose credibility. So I appreciate that. I appreciate all the describing you've done about your work. And now I'm going to go look for what was his name? The author who you, Craig? Craig Martell. Martell. Now I'm going to go look him up and so I can... I can fall in love with the character because of your voice. You have a wonderful voice, so keep it up. And next up is Dan W. I, first of all, want to thank you very much for being willing to come on this program and share your life and details of your work with us. I find it very exciting because I have always wanted to do something with my voice, whether it's radio announcing or voice acting, and it's maybe about time for me to have a midlife crisis at age 52. (laughs) So how do I find someone? I know you mentioned voice coaches, but is there some way I can find someone to really have a good in-depth conversation about ideas on how to get started? I'm not saying someone has to hold my hand, but at least give me, you know, some way to uh, thoughts on how to get started. And thank you. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you for mentioning Uh, what you did about the quality of the voice being a separate issue, because a lot of people, as you were saying, have really nice voices and people will say, Oh, you should be on the radio or you should be doing audio books and a nice voice does help, but that's just your entry point really. And, And in some cases it's not even necessary. In some cases, a voice that other people don't consider nice can be one of the most profitable voices. But it, it is the acting that comes in, and that, that's what's going to determine whether you are successful or not if you do all the other right things. It's going to be the, the, the quality of the acting, your ability to connect to the script and to any characters that you, that you may be performing. If you're looking for the, uh, the way to get in, I want to give you the best information I can And you've already mentioned the coach, but really that is the best way. Now, you can certainly join. There are plenty of online groups. If you go into uh, Facebook, there's a uh, 
Facebook group that I'm a member of that is for ACX audiobook producers. If you're wanting to do audiobooks specifically, there's a lot of people giving a ton of great information in there. And you can ask questions there and somebody will, will give you some, some really good feedback on that. I would encourage you to join some groups of things that you're interested in doing socially on the social media, but the coach is going to be, don't jump into the coach and, and do it before just grabbing whoever offers their services first. Make sure you've got an idea of what you're really looking for and somebody that's recommended by other people who are making a living in the business. Nobody's going to be able to help you answer your questions better than either a mentor that's in the business or a coach. Chris, Mm -hmm. it sounds like that narratorroadmap.com should be a good resource for this fellow. If audiobooks specifically is is what uh, what he's interested in, then narratorsroadmap.com is an excellent resource. There's also a, 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 for more generalized voice acting outside of uh, audiobooks, there's a group called Gravy for the Brain. (laughs) <laughs> which I still don't understand where they got that name, but gravyforthebrain.com. They have a lot of really good information there and it's a paid service, but it doesn't cost a fortune. You can go on there and spend a little bit and get a wealth of knowledge and then decide if you want to continue on with that. It's been a while since I was on there, but they had at one point a service where you could, as Cheryl was recommending, you know, record a sample and you could upload it and let an actual person hear your audio and tell you what issues you might be having technically, and then also with the performance. Of course, everybody's got an opinion on your performance. Be careful whose opinion you listen to. We do have Monica. Hi, Monica. Chris. Yes. My question is, could you describe your space that you're in? Are you standing? Are you sitting? Are you, what what is it physically like? Okay. I've actually just recently started sitting for for years. I was a, a standing narrator and a lot of people make fun of us for doing that, but uh, I decided to, to try the sitting method. So right now I'm, I'm sitting on, I've got a, a drummer's throne, little stool that I can adjust the height on. It doesn't have any arms. I'm in a four foot by four foot square box, basically a uh, whisper room vocal booth that uh, you buy these from the company. And this, you don't have to have this to be doing the voice acting, but it's a, it's a good prefab solution. It's got a nice door with a window, and then you have to come in and and treat it. I've got some of the audio acoustic foam that you've seen on walls of places before. I've got some of that on some of the walls. But what's even better, I I use a combination of that and some sound blankets. These are very thick, heavy blankets that I purchased from a a specific place that, that creates these for voice actors to use. And so those are along the wall to dampen the sound. Obviously, you want to prevent noise from getting into your space, but you also just as importantly need to prevent noise from reverberating within the space and giving you that boxy sound or whatever. So I'm sitting here, I've got a little shelf that I can fold up or down with a, uh, uh, my interface that's got the microphone plugged into it. And I've got a, a microphone on a stand that's right in front of me about six inches from my mouth from where I'm speaking. Then I've got a, uh, a computer monitor um, attached to the wall and then the, the cables going outside. I've got the computer actually set up outside the booth so that uh, noise from the fan and the computer, all that is uh, is kept outside of the booth. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. Next up, we have Marlene Massat. Hi, Marlene. Hi, Chris. Hi, Cheryl. Hi, Kathy. First, uh, I want to say I have read 
all of Cheryl's books on Audible, and I really, really enjoyed Nabbed. And I was fascinated with the creatures in the zoo book, animals in the zoo book. I am really thrilled that Cheryl has you on because I know exactly what she said when she said, your voice brings her books to life. (laughs) My question is, is there a difference between being a narrator and a voice actor? Thank you. Most voice actors, if you mention audiobook narration, will put a sour look on their face like they just smelled something bad. They'll want to move away and talk to somebody else at the conference or whatever. (laughs) Most voice actors don't want anything to do with narrating. And we all have our own reasons, but a large part of it is because it's kind of lonely work. You spend, you know, people ask me what I do. I tell them I talk to myself in a padded room all day. (laughs) Uh, that's what I do. The biggest difference as far as business-wise between a voice actor and an audiobook narrator, which an audiobook narrator is a voice actor, but a voice actor is not necessarily an audiobook narrator. The biggest difference is that audiobook narration is the lowest pay segment of voice acting by far, as far as the you know, pay for the work that you do on a project, but it's much more consistent work. I almost never these days audition for any work. All of my work comes to me and I either accept it or I don't. Occasionally there'll be something where a publisher will say, well, the the author would like to hear a little bit of this or whatever. Okay. But, but I don't ever go out anymore looking for work and auditioning for it and hoping that they like what I do. Part of that's laziness. Frankly, I I should be more proactive on seeking out work that I'd really like to do, I guess. But the work is coming to me. If you're a voice actor doing commercials and TV station promos and documentary narration and, and those kind of things, you're going to spend a lot more time doing auditions than you are actually recording something that you're getting paid for. Uh, You're going to spend the vast majority of your time working on things that will never pan out for you. Audition, 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 audition. Okay, now I've actually got something that I'm going to record the project and and get a paycheck for. And you could be a successful uh, voice actor living in a nice house with a a nice car and and, uh, taking vacations two or three times a year and only actually record product that's, that's going to be used once or twice a week. But to get those, at least until you get really well, some people get known and, and the work comes to them. There, there's a few, but uh, for most voice actors, you're going to have to audition, 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 and maybe you end up getting work. Maybe you don't. But if you ever get to the point where more work is coming in than one out of every 10 auditions, then you are doing great because generally most people are going to be ended up booking about one out of 75 or so. Carla Hayes, you may unmute. Hello. How are you today? I'm well. How are you? Great. I'm really enjoying your presentation. I like your voice too. And the questions (laughs) I had are, well, first of all, um, you were talking about your DAWs, you know, your digital audio workstation and that your, um, Adobe one has bells and whistles that things like Audacity 
does not have. Um, and so I was wondering if you could tell me, uh, tell us what the bells and whistles are. And then the second question I have is, how do you feel about reverberation? In, there are some studios that they'll put out materials and they do have that boxy sound where they do use, uh, they do touch things up with reverberation. And so I was wondering what, what are the issues of deciding whether something will be wet with some reverberation and some things that would be dry without and what's the degree of wetness and dryness that, um, that production should have? Good question. That's, it's all about the product that you're making. The, what are you doing this uh, this work for? If you're doing an audio book, you're almost never going to want to have any reverb. An audio book, you want that voice, and there's always an exception to every rule, but the rule is you want that voice to sound as natural and as clean as you possibly can. You want it to, to sound like somebody who's just sitting in the passenger seat of your car telling the story to you. No enhancements, no sound effects. Occasionally, you'll get somebody to put some, some music. But again, like I said, there are those exceptions now. Some audiobooks, it's a growing thing in the audiobook field to have fully produced books that are really more theater than they are what we would traditionally consider an audiobook. And that's that's great as well. If you're doing video game voice acting and the character is in a cave, they're going to add some some echo on there and, and wet that thing up to make it sound like they're in a cave. So it just depends on how you're using it. As far as the bells and whistles on the uh, the software, the biggest thing in my case for, for an audiobook narrator, the most important thing is to be able to do the punch and roll method that I mentioned earlier. That allows it to be very easy and quick to stop and restart on a project and then export one file for the entire chapter. Audacity, at least the last I heard, doesn't have that capability. Most of the other bells and whistles are things that you don't really use much, but I've got a stack of effects that are pre-set up for me using my voice and and my space. And I've hired George Whittem, who is an excellent engineer. I sent him sample of my recordings in my booth with my voice and he set up a stack of effects that I use when I am producing an audio book if I'm doing the full production if I'm just sending it to a publisher I send it completely clean with nothing done to it but if I'm producing it myself I'll use this stack of effects to affect the uh, the compression of the audio and the equalization and that kind of thing. Chris, I'd like to ask a technical question. What do you find is the best way to get normalization compression set up? For audiobook specifically or for just for, audio recording in general? Well, With our Zoom recordings, everybody has different volumes and yeah. I go in by hand and have to increase and decrease volumes. It's just the nature of how we record. Yeah. Obviously the better you can get the original setup, the easier it's going to be. That's what everybody tells me, but that's not going to happen in my case. So (laughs) I use, I've got a piece of software called Izotope, I-Z-O-T-O-P-E. That's the company. Uh And then the specific software is RX and I've got version nine. They just came out with version 10. I haven't spent any money to get that. Um, It's got a a great tool in there for, uh, that is specifically for audiobook, but will work for podcasting as well. In uh, Adobe Audition that I use primarily for my so recording. So Isotope RX? 
Isotope RX. That's they've got three levels on that. It's not inexpensive, but uh, it can be very expensive if you go with the professional version. I don't I don't have the most expensive version, and I don't need it. If you get Adobe Audition, then there'll be a, under amplitude and compression. There's uh, dynamics processing and normalizing, yep. and and there yep. are there are some presets in there. I'm not using Adobe Audition, but yeah, 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 I can mess around with the presets and dynamic compression. Yeah. What software are you using? NCH. I'm not familiar Full with that Full confession. One. This is hard to believe, but because of my visual impairment, I actually do audio editing on an iPad Pro. Okay. Nothing <laughs> wrong with that. They, they're that, great I devices. I can't believe it. I can't believe it, but it, <laughs> it works just fine. Yeah. Uh, but it cuts out. So it's WavePad, which is an oldie but goodie. I'm using WavePad. It's not fully accessible, so people know that are listening. It's not fully accessible for screen readers and voiceover, but I have the layout pretty much memorized as to what I need to do. It's gotten better Mm -hmm. over the last year, but I have Mm -hmm. some site so I can use it. Cheryl uses a different one that she finds much more accessible. And I pay a little bit for this uh, because Mm -hmm. WavePad has always been such a good product. It's been around for ages. I know it has uh, a lot of powerful tools and it's just such an unusual situation that we have so many different volumes and devices on our calls, but I'll mess around in there some more. Give it a try. Thank you for that. Mm -hmm. I really appreciate it. Veteran doc, you may unmute and ask your question. Okay. Thank you. Uh, My question is, do you have any device or technique to help, the blank spaces. So many people say, um, uh, and, uh, so in these repetitious words, and they can't deal with just leaving a space. And it's very difficult not to put in those little sounds that it sometimes really ruins a presentation. So I was just wondering if you have a way of, uh, maybe helping someone overcome those habits? That's a good question. I really don't. I guess it helps to have a script on your iPad right in front of you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, you don't say, uh, and um, very often, if you know what the next words are going to be, if you don't have to think about it. But beyond having a script in front of you, I really don't have any great tips on that. I'm sorry. I have a great deal of difficulty in that area. That is my saving grace. When I work off my script, I have a lot fewer. Of course, working off of a script also can make you sound a little automated or there's a a skill to reading words without sounding like you're reading words. So Mm -hmm. I don't recommend using a script to anyone who can avoid it. I think it's always better to uh, to speak without one if you're able to. And that's why Kathy and I do so well together. Because <laughs> I we go use, off script sometimes. <laughs> we use the script as a guideline and we do mm-hmm. a lot of improvisation. Right? I, I guess I do have one recommendation and that is the halfway between the ad lib and the script. If you give yourself a list of bullet points, mm-hmm. if you just have a list in front of you, of Mm -hmm. the things that you want to mention in this discussion 
that will help your brain move quickly to one of those instead of having to fill that space with an um or an uh mm. or whatever it is that uh, that your brain goes to. I do better with that type of format. But I think, too, for Kathy and myself, both of us, it, it's been a learning curve losing our sight or having our sight diminish and finding different because we're not proficient braille readers and just finding different ways to do things has, um, you know, it's, it's uh, evolving. (laughs) Very good question. Thank you for asking. And I have to confess that in the, in that discussion, I forgot that most of the people I'm speaking to are blind. Yeah. Um, Probably uh, everybody here. (laughs) That that iPad is probably not going to, it's, it's not going to, Oh, it does. That's actually probably what I use. Yeah, yeah, it's okay. what I use too. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And it's very uh, voiceover. Uh, anyway, without going into a lot of techie stuff, it's just amazing what we're able to do with our iPhones and iPads. Right. But I want to say thank Yeah, thank you, thank you, thank you so much, Chris, for being here with us. Uh, we appreciate you so much, and I look forward to working with you soon again. Thank you. And I just want to say real quick before we go off air, we will be on for an extra 15 minutes. The prompt for next week is falling back. Use it as you want in 60 words or less. Falling back. Thank you. Thank you again, Chris. And now I'm going to turn it over to Kathy. We greatly appreciate all of you. Don't miss next Friday. It's going to be our holiday book celebration where you'll learn about everybody's different books that they've been authoring and publishing great gift and reading ideas and 1118 will be that's two weeks from now will be our last open mic event here on writing works wonders for 2022 don't miss it please visit writingworkswonders.com for these show notes previous episodes and scores of resources for you and your friends above all else We want you to be encouraged, inspired, and enjoy the wonders of writing. We look forward to being with you next time. I will share the prompts with you was, hey, Kathy, guess what? I had a dream last night. (laughs) I woke up and there were a bunch of scarecrows dancing in the backyard. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Finish the story in 75 words or less. Thanks. And back to you, Kathy. (laughs) All right. Carol has her hand up. Thank you. Backyard scare. Look out the window into the yard. There are scarecrows standing still, working hard. But wait just a minute. They're working at what? I think I've got their scared crows and I got them mixed up. Thanks. Thank you. (laughs) Next is Abby Johnson-Taylor. Okay, so this is my 75-word piece. This is called Scarecrow Brains. Loud music from my backyard woke me at midnight. Leaping out of bed, I hurried to the window and saw scarecrows having a party. The song playing on their boombox was... If I only had a brain. Fling <laughs> open the window, I yelled, Who do you think I am? The Wizard of Oz? If I were to give you brains, you'd think they were trains and jumped out of the way. The end. <laughs> that was fun. 
for joining us today on Writing Works Wonders. Kathy and I are thrilled to spend time with you. A tap on that button that says subscribe so you will not miss our show. You can also tap on the link for writingworkswonders.com. It'll take you directly to all the show notes and information that we shared today. Then you can sign up to receive the Zoom link so that you can be live with us when we are recording. You can also contact us at info at writingworkswonders.com. Our phone number is 347-467-0221. We also have a donate button. All donations go to technical expenses that Kathy and I incur in order to keep this podcast going. Kathy and I want you to feel encouraged and inspired and know the wonder in writing. And until next time, our friends, keep on writing. The opinions expressed on the ACB Media Network are those of the respective program contributors and cannot be assumed to serve as endorsements of products or views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. 